Hello and welcome to the Spotlight Podcast. My name is Christina Kerr, I'm the Content Manager at Spotlight, and today we're talking with two very talented up-and-coming filmmaker performers, Matthew Jacobs Morgan and Laura Kewan Ashman. And our topic for today is filmmaking and how that intersects with performance. If Matthew's name sounds familiar to you, it might be because he's written for us before, so you can read a lot more from him on our website under News and Advice. So, Laura, Matthew, thank you so much for giving up your time to talk to me at Spotlight today. Um, I was thinking a nice place to start would be to ask you why you wanted to make film work. Was there something, and indeed you're both performers, mm. so oh, I, I wonder, <laughs> you've done some performing and some Out directing, pure it's necessity. happened. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if there was like a moment where you were like, yep, this is the industry for me. Mm. Um, f- for me, I guess it was, uh, when I was sort of starting out, there weren't many roles for people like me, for um, young black young black men who don't sort of fit into um, a stereotype which a lot of um a lot of art actually sort of perpetuates and so I decided that I wanted to start writing stuff for myself to build a showreel and then I found that I really really enjoyed it so that's why I sort of um, yeah, carried on and it sort of snowballed since then and I've just yeah loved it. Um, yeah kind of similar to you Matthew um, so I studied theatre at uni uh, which was uh, like I loved it and it was a great course and it kind of got me turned me on to a lot of stuff that's really shaped me um, but I got to the end of the three years and was like theatre's not for me um, so then spent four years wallowing in the mire of retail <laughs> <laughs> quarter life crisis all been there yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was doing a thing called the Barbican Young Film Programmers um and I met someone called Aya there, and it was around the time that a lot of conversations were starting to be had about um, the sort of straight white male cis domination of the film and television industries and the sort of lack of really good female characters and female stories and who were getting to tell those stories. Um, so we... and. Uh, another friend called Charlotte we decided to form a female film collective and yeah just start making our own stuff because we weren't seeing it there was some stuff coming out of the US like Girls and Broad City uh, but nothing really in the UK that we felt really spoke to us as sort of fumbling 20 something (laughs) women in London trying to figure it all out Uh, so yeah we made a completely zero budget DIY web series which I wrote and we all ended up being in it because we couldn't afford to pay anyone else to (laughs) and the way that my character kind of evolved it was basically just a worse version of myself so I barely consider it (laughs) acting Um, but yeah so it, it came from a very kind of yeah primal urge to do something about the situation basically yeah same Matthew, you um, have said to me before you didn't specifically train as a performer. Yes. Was there some reason why you then kind of wanted to enter filmmaking? Because that's an even more sort of technical and difficult (laughs) thing to embark on. What made that sort of transition happen? Or what was it about doing a film? Yeah, I think it kind of went hand in hand with the fact that I didn't... The fact that I didn't train um, meant that I sort of needed to... um, beef up my CV, beef up my showreel, beef up my experience. And a way for me to get that was by um, being in projects which I had written for myself. And I don't know, I guess um, directing, although there are 
technical aspects to directing. I feel like you can learn those in an afternoon. Really? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I wow, feel like. Bold statement for yeah, the day. Do you know, but do you know in what? In terms of what like, you really, really yeah, need to exactly, know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's obviously like loads of details and things maybe which which um, take longer and which you pick up with experience. But in terms of like the essentials, there's not that many. And actually, like most of it's about um, having something that you want to say and um, having a, a bold way of, of, of saying it and knowing how to sort of communicate that to a crew. And I think that's. Um, yeah, I think that doesn't necessarily need um, formal training personally, and so I've always just sort of, just kind of just done it and and just made mistakes and um, yeah. learnt from those mistakes and mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah that's how I sort of approached it. I mean, that was definitely going to be one of the things that I asked you both is how did you actually learn? Like, was it just doing it and going for it? And you've kind of answered so, that already. But was it the same for you, Laura? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, like I said, like the web series was my first kind of real experience of like making something. Right. And we made it from absolute scratch with no resources, very little time, very little people. Um is very much a case of like whoever wasn't in the scene was holding the camera. We just shot it on a kind of just like a Canon DSLR. Um, and yeah, uh, Aya, uh, my friend Aya, who's in was in the film collective, she always describes it as like a vertical learning curve. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> we, yeah, we literally making it up as we went along. Mm. Um, but what was so great is that at the time there was this really sort of blossoming uh, DIY, very female-focused scene kind of happening in London, um, in filmmaking, in collectives, and people putting on nights, um, you know, just sort of organising, and we really kind of dove headfirst into that, and that was really sort of reassuring to see that so many other people were being like, I don't necessarily have the a degree, I don't necessarily have the know-how, but we want to change something, we've had something to say and we're just going to give it a go. Um, what's been kind of so amazing about um, the BFI Network programme that I've just been on is we've, we're having these incredible filmmakers like Steve McQueen, Boots Riley, David Lowry um, kind of come and speak to us and it's been so reassuring because so many of them have had really unique um not necessarily straightforward routes into filmmaking. A lot of them didn't go to film school. They came from other mediums. And it's been amazing to sort of hear that, like, you don't actually need to know all the things that you're kind of made to feel that you know, Mm. Uh, especially as a director. Like, the most important relationship is that you have you know, a great relationship with your DP mm. and they can fill in all the knowledge. Yeah, especially yeah. They know with the technical doing. stuff, I think. Yeah. Especially with that and stuff. And it's, it's so much more like um, I had an incredible moment with Steve McQueen where I kind of opened up and was very frank and honest about how you know, insecure and anxious I often feel about my lack of kind of technical experience or whatever you want to call it. And he was just like, the fact that you've just been so honest about that means that I know you're going to be fine. Like, yeah, mm. He looked into my eyes, spoke <laughs> into my soul, and said, you're going to be fine. You don't need to know all that stuff that you think you need to know. As long as you're honest and true and you have something to say and your story is coming from the heart, that's all that matters. And mm. that was like so affirming to hear from like someone like that. Yeah, yeah That's a huge moment. Yeah. yeah. Like I went outside and cried for 10 minutes. I bet. That's amazing. Yeah. Also, I do think actually like watching films is... Well, I was going to ask you about that. I mean, is it really, I mean, I think it's, I guess that's kind of just one of the ways you can learn. Absolutely, yeah, I really do think so. And also just in terms of like going to see films with your friends or being able to discuss it with your friends um, and argue about stuff that you liked and stuff that you didn't like and figuring out what your voice is and the stuff that, the stories that draw you in. um, I think that's 
you know the best some of the best mm. training you can get and also the stuff that you hate yeah yeah lot. absolutely yeah, why absolutely. do you hate it and yeah then, why didn't it work for you yeah yeah i mean literally that's all i do is watch stuff <laughs> i'm like i'm just like hold up at home just like constantly Consuming, watching stuff yeah. and it feels kind of a bit moronic sometimes that you're just sort of drooling on the sofa but then <laughs> and you know I, I i think there's a misconception that watching films and tv are are a passive act but actually i th- feel like it is quite an active thing your your mind is you know it's taking your mind to places that it wouldn't otherwise and you're having to constantly think and like unpack yeah uh, absolutely you know things which you um, preconceptions that you might have had beforehand so yeah i do think it is a very good way of exploring yeah. your artistry i think other than sort of the technicality of it the other big barrier to entry is cost yeah. um, so i kind of wanted to ask you about that especially you laura because you've just said as you just said it was a very diy project there were no costs um, involved were, right <laughs> other than but, like pizza yeah <laughs> fair enough but it's interesting because it's yeah that's definitely one of the barriers i think a lot of people have is how do i actually get the money to mm. make something that i want to make do you guys have any advice that you could give people um, well, I mean, I'm, I'm literally in the middle of that process right now. Um, I'm very fortunate in that I've just been given BFI development funding for my first feature. But as with the story of my life, I'm kind of doing everything backwards. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I'm writing this feature and I'm going to direct it by a very little directing experience. And now I feel the pressure to kind of um, make some shorts. And I have shorts that I really want to make, um, not just to get experience, but because I think they're important stories to tell. So me and my producer are kind of in in the middle of that process of finding funding. I would say if you're, if you're a writer-director, um, your producer is hands down the most important person Absolutely, my producer yeah. changed my life like she's the best thing wow. that ever happened to me and the stuff that we've achieved and we only met just before christmas and the stuff that we've achieved in less than a year is incredible and having someone who thinks outside of the box and is is so hungry to tell your stories with you and to champion you and to constantly be looking for alternative, you know, obviously there's the main sort of funding places, mm. um, but thinking outside of that um, to, to, yeah, hunt down that, the money. Yeah, <laughs> I think that for the for your first project, usually it, you have to kind of do it on your own. Mm. Like you have to, for me, because it's very difficult to, to convince um, funding bodies to give you money if you've never made a film or TV. Or, if, I mean, sometimes they'll do it if you've done sort of theatre or commercials because you've, you know, got enough experience on that side of things. But I basically just had to... When I was, like... I think I made my first film when I was, like, 17 or 18. And I um, did it with £1,000 that I'd saved up from working at Waitrose on the, um, on the weekends <laughs> during <Yeah>. my <laughs> A-levels. And I saved and saved and saved and... Um, that's how I made my, my first one. Second one, I did get some funding for it, but also, like, it, it wasn't quite enough. So I ended up asking my accountant if he had any clients who would be willing to give any money towards a feature film, towards a, sorry, towards a short film, and got another chunk of money just from, like, rich Hustling. people. Yeah, <laughs> from rich people who had money to... to yeah. Not to burn. It wasn't burnt because it went into a, into, into a short film and supporting, you know, supporting, supporting young filmmakers and stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. But um, Sorry, was that Gracie that you're referring to? Yes. There? Actually, no, sorry. No, the money from my account, that was mine, my most recent film, actually. Okay. Gracie was funding, it was funding which was sort of cobbled together from um, a scheme called B3 Media, a scheme 
Oh, ideas tat, which is it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's changed into something else. And I Has can't it changed? Remember. Into, I can't quite remember. But I got some money from them, and I got some money from a, um, an organisation called O2 Think Big. So I ended up having a, a slightly bigger budget for that. And then my most recent one was the one where I got some money from my accountants. Like, so it's just <laughs> kind of just, here and there and everywhere. Yeah, you can collect, yeah, yeah. You can collect with with my first. Um, so my first film that I directed by myself, um, I made that specifically for a filmmaking competition called I Want Change, which is basically a smartphone filmmaking competition. And the whole thinking behind um, why they set up that competition was to democratise the filmmaking process and basically set parameters where you didn't need loads of money, you didn't need equipment, you didn't need fancy cameras. If you had a story to tell, you just needed a smartphone or a tablet or webcam, whatever it was. Um, and the brief was like, had to be under 10 minutes and be about a social issue. And that was, that you could interpret that any way that you wanted. Mm. Um, so I made, shot that on a iPhone 6. I got a bunch of my incredible friends um, and another friend who's a photographer called Steph Wilson who has this incredible house and we just shot it in there and everyone donated their time for free I basically spent about 200 pounds of my own money and that was like food and props and mm. like taxis yeah. and stuff like that and we shot it all in one day um and it ended up winning um and so that was really valuable for me, even though my work, that was like a sort of stylized documentary and my work is primarily fiction. Um, but it was a great sort of first taste and a very low stakes taste yeah, of directing because I just didn't want to see if I could, if I could yeah, pull this could. thing off. Mm. Totally. Uh, and I did. And luckily it, it was it was quite successful. Yeah, yeah. Totally. So, It's really incredible. Mm. I want to ask you then, I know, Laurie, you've just kind of hinted that a lot of the time the kind of casting out aspect of your work has been sort of incidental so far that it's people that you know or that kind of thing but given that you've both had some experience of performing and being behind the camera as well yeah. what's that process like for you now or has it taught you anything about performing given that you're now actually have cast some characters I'd say so work? absolutely yeah just in terms of the fact that the, the people behind the casting desk really are just humans <laughs> and I think the, the main thing which I noticed when auditioning for my um, for my second short, because I had some amazing, amazing actors come in. But, like, there's... Nerves really, really come across in an yeah. audition room, especially when you're seeing so many people in one day. You can really tell when people are really nervous. Um, and I feel like it's actually taught me to try, at least, and chill out more, <laughs> because yeah. there's nothing... It's really weird. You, you, when when the actor that comes in is chilled out, suddenly it like makes you completely chill out, and you're like, oh, everything's fine. Like, because everyone's everyone's stressed. It's a high pressure situation making a film, I think. Um, and so you kind of want someone who's going to come in and and just be chill, and yeah. so, seeming control. Yeah, and mm. so that, so that when you're on set, you're not going to be having to put out too many fires with them. You're just putting out all the other fires that are there. <laughs> 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 you know. That's what I'd say. Yeah. I mean, I don't actually have experience of casting um, actors, per se. Um, I think empathy is important in every situation. Like, yeah, the sure. idea of auditioning is honestly my worst nightmare. Even though I did a theatre degree, like, I hated <laughs> all the improv and drama games and mm. all that. Like, I can't stand it. So <laughs> I'm going to feel so bad about, like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, but so the idea of, like, putting someone through that, I think... Is I'm gonna have a lot of empathy for mm. how, in, and you know, these people will be actually you know trained and professionals mm. and people who've done it a million times or, mm. um, 
but yeah, I think just yeah, I think yeah. that's the thing is that often performers forget that yeah, it is humans, as you said, yeah. Matthew. You know, they are human beings as well, and it just feels very high stakes because you really want the job, or Absolutely, you really want yeah. to be a part of something. Yeah, yeah. And that can be really hard to yeah. step away from. And I think, but I think it is a two-way street as well. Actually, coming at it, coming at directing from an acting background. Um, makes me more empathetic to the actors because I'm like, I, I would never... I've been in situations where I've been, been given scripts like four hours before the audition or, you know, where the directors in the room sort of give nothing and you just leave the room feeling like rubbish. Even if... Like, there have been times when I've got roles where the, in the room the director was sort of just... Complete, gave me absolutely nothing, but... I don't know, I just feel like it is just... You want your actors to leave the room feeling good about themselves and actually like I, I'm always so grateful for people for giving up their time to like learn my script and to like come in and meet me I'm just like that's such a lovely mm. thing to do yeah for sure so like why would I not be um lovely but you know well try and be you know I'm, I'm you not, are I'm lovely not, Matthew. why would I not be lovely why would I not try and be like yeah. anything but you know nice to them I think it should always be I mean filmmaking is immensely collaborative and I think a lot of people kind of forget that because so much emphasis gets put on like the stars and the auteur director who just everything springs out of their genius <laughs> and so yeah. those people are nothing without oh, everyone sure. else yeah. and I think you have to, it has to be an exchange of energy it's not so mm. much because you're asking people to be incredibly vulnerable to yeah. give, give their energy to you so you you have to give your energy to them and yeah. make sure that they feel supported and safe even if it's just for 10 minutes and you never see each other again mm. Um, I think ego can get very easily get in the way of of things, um, and even if you're a complete beginner, ego as a sort of defense mechanism where you're like, this is all new for me, but I'm just yeah. gonna sort of like blast my way through and act like I know what I'm doing, and mm. then you kind of make everyone just feel a bit crappy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah, absolutely. for sure. Yeah, I think then perhaps could you say that. Um, finding the right sort of people might be a good first step for someone who has an idea and who oh, maybe doesn't have the money or doesn't have yeah. the technical skills. Yeah. Would you advise them then, yeah, go look for the people? Absolutely. I actually feel like people are more important than money, actually. Oh, oh God, yeah. Because I've, I've got friends who've made stuff with, like, tens of thousands of pounds, short films with tens and tens of thousands of pounds, but because they didn't really have the right team around them, just kind of didn't work out, mm. or it didn't. It's usually it wasn't like a miserable as, experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then actually, people get a lot more strict with. I mean, obviously, you, you look after your crew and your cast and make sure that you stick to the working hours. But but when, as soon as money's involved, those stakes are heightened. I think. Yeah. Like for when, sure. if There's you're pressure. just yeah, absolutely. If you're just doing it with friends and you're like, oh, we'll just like, we'll we'll finish whenever we finish, or like we'll make sure that we're out by this time. It's fine. But if you go like ten minutes over, when you're actually paying people. Um, and you're on a big budget, it can really... Change the atmosphere. Yeah, it really does, from my experience. Would you say, I mean, I want to kind of shift directions here for a second and ask you about these various kind of mentorship programs that you've alluded to so far. You've both done quite a few different things with BFI, with Channel 4. I wonder if you could tell us a bit about those experiences, what they offered you, and whether or not you'd recommend them to other people. Absolutely, yeah. Um, And so I'm primarily a writer in terms of what I've done so far. It often feels in the UK like most of the industry is looking to theatre for new writing talent in particular, whereas I knew from off the bat that I wanted to write for the screen. So it kind of felt like, so I have to go and write a play and like 
take it to Edinburgh and get some buzz just to get like on these people's radars because it's very difficult to do anything as a writer without an agent representation. Mm. Um, so I basically, my route was a, I went down the DIY thing, I made my own stuff, um, which impressed a lot of people because you've kind of just done it off your own uh, steam. And then I just started uh, entering writing competitions writing schemes for emerging writers um, and I was very lucky in that um, I got onto them um, so the first one I did was called the world's longest title mm-hmm. the Betty Box and Peter Rogers Comedy Writing Programme wow. <laughs> and it was the first time they did it. it was with London Comedy Film Festival in association with what was then the Cinema and Television Benevolent Fund and now I think it's a film and television charity mm-hmm. um, and Big Talk were on board as advisors and that was an incredible experience in terms of giving a very young green writer with very little industry experience um basically kind of a dummy run at the development experience so the charity provided a bursary so that you could just focus on writing which was a massive weight off i didn't suddenly didn't have to worry about paying my rent and stuff like that um and then they gave you a script editor so that was incredible to learn how that whole process works and to have someone who actually knows what they're talking about sort of guiding you through that and then also the experience of like going in for meetings and getting notes and uh, working with development execs so that was that was really invaluable and then by the end of it I had a TV pilot which then acted as a sample um, for to get uh, representation and for that representation to then send out um, and start to get you like meetings and stuff like that and I did um, BBC comedy uh, writers room using that pilot as uh, the sample that got Mm -hmm. me onto that Um, and yeah and everything sort of has gone from there Mm. and so yeah once you have a few things on your cv or in your back pocket it kind of lets people know that oh you've been chosen from hundreds or thousands of entries you've got something um and it basically does like an agent's work for them (laughs) because they're kind of only looking at theater but then there's this other route that's coming through and offering up a short list of people who they might not have heard of because they haven't done plays or things like that. Um, so yeah, so I went down that route, and I would, I would. That's the only way that I know. <laughs> um, so I'd recommend if people aren't into the theatre thing to kind of go go down that that road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, uh, this year, I've been doing a program called For Screenwriting, which is slightly similar, I guess, in the sense that um, they um, Channel Four commission a script from you, and you have a you have two workshop weekends, one at the beginning and one at the end of the scheme, and um, in between for about six months, you work on a pilot script of your choosing, um, and I'm writing a pilot script of your choosing, like an idea that you've come up with yourself, and you are given um, a script editor and a shadow script editor, and you're put in a group of three writers. Overall on the scheme, there's about 12 writers, but you're, you're sectioned off into groups of three writers, and you all sort of support each other and keep in touch with each other and you know read each other's scripts and, and give notes on them and stuff. And it was just absolutely amazing. And then at the end, they had a um, an industry networking night, I guess, where they had people from like like maybe 80 or 90 production companies like literally like a ridiculous amount of production companies who came to to meet us basically to sort of meet they they had all read our scripts and they were there to sort of meet us and chat with us and um you know for us to set up meetings general meetings to get stuff in development with them and it was just so lovely and off the back of it is I've met some really great people some of whom I'm working with now um 
and yeah, just in terms of having a, a group of peers who are who are going through the sort of similar right. things as you. Comes it's, back it's, to that community thing. Yeah, yeah it yeah, really, yeah. really does, and it's yeah. just so nice. And having people that you can call and say, and you know, when you've got exciting news about something, it's so lovely. Um, I'm, I'm also on a scheme with the BFI, which is the BFI Flare Mentorship Program, which is um, a scheme which is run alongside um, the BFI Flare Film Festival in I think it's March, um, and they. Throughout the festival, you watch loads of films, you have great talks with all these amazing filmmakers, and um, then for the rest of the year, you have a mentor who's your sort of point of contact for while you're writing your first feature, or while you're developing your first feature. And I was given an amazing mentor, John Cameron Mitchell, who's a um, brilliant writer, director, and actor, who um, made a film called Hedwig and the Angry Inch, and a film called Short oh, Bus, yeah. and a film called Rabbit Hole, and he's like the most amazing mentor I could have asked for and we've got like very similar taste in um projects and ideas and so it's been really really invaluable and just you know and again peers like the group of you know especially having a group of peers who are sort of interested in similar things and similar stories and are having relatively similar experiences I guess in the industry um, makes such a huge difference. It's yeah, so totally. Mentorship yeah. is invaluable, particularly is, for getting yeah. new voices. Absolutely. Making art of any description. Yeah. Um, do you have any advice for people who maybe want to go and do those things where they could find out or how they should find out about the yeah. best things for them? Yeah. Or is it just really you just kind of have to feel your way along and mm-hmm. hope that you can pick up some traction? Um, do you mean about how to find out about yeah. schemes and yes. mentorships? Um I mean, I just found out about this stuff because I follow all these people on Twitter. So, like, right. follow yeah. the BFI. Yeah. BBC Writers Room has a great opportunities page, yeah, which tells you not only about BBC stuff, but about all the writing competitions, all the schemes. Mm. Um, just like, sign up to newsletters, and then you hear about those things first. Um, and you don't do everything last minute like I do. Because <laughs> <laughs> you find out about something, and you're like, eh, the deadline's in five days. Oh, God. <laughs> um, which has been a running theme of my life. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, that's how I found out about this stuff. It was just, yeah, just through Twitter and social media and emails yeah. and stuff. And yeah. I suppose the thing I was hoping to also kind of get out there is that um, it's not essential for anyone to go and do an expensive training program. Oh, no. Necessarily. There are a lot of these other schemes around. Yeah. And, they and they're don't free necessarily, as well. Yeah, they're free yeah. and they don't have... Any some other of kind them of barrier. Pay you. I know, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's absolutely. so true. Sometimes yeah. they pay you. Rare, yeah. but sometimes, <laughs> yeah. sometimes it happens. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess, um, what would you say to people who are kind of thinking, well, I'm not really sure, I don't really have um, all the skills that I need? What would you tell them to do just to start on the track towards making their own work? Um, I'd say read. Yeah. Read a lot of scripts and read a lot of books on screenwriting and um, writing for TV and writing for film and everything. I mean, you can ignore everything that's in them, perhaps, but, yeah. like... You kind of um, have to know the rules yeah, before you break them. exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as I say, do that. Um, I did um, I did a sh- very short screenwriting, like, foundation course at Central St. Martins. It was, like, one evening a week I was doing that, whilst I was, like, full-time uh, working in Selfridges. Um, <laughs> And that was really, really useful in terms of just giving you that kind of foundational knowledge to then jump off on and also to kind of make sure that it was the right medium for me because I tried so many, pretty much every other medium out there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a funny one because a lot of people kind of ask me, I get a lot of young uh, young people who were thinking that they want to get into screenwriting and don't really know where to begin because they didn't necessarily do it 
at uni or whatever it is, or they can't afford to go to uni. Um, and it's difficult because screenwriting is not like any other medium of writing. Mm. And you do kind of need to have, it's a very technical form of writing, um, even just from like a formatting point of view, yeah. or just, you know, it's not just an existing piece of text, it's also a manual for how to make that film. Um, so you do kind of need to actively study it and learn those rules and learn structure and what's really important so that when you kind of, especially when it comes to troubleshooting, because if you're a good writer, you can write something great, but if the structure's off or the characters haven't been developed enough or the pacing lags here somewhere, then having those kind of like that technical knowledge of the form uh, helps you kind of deal with those things. Um, I've watched sort of kind of maybe, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. Thank you. <laughs> it was really fab. Um, there was a lot of things to identify with <laughs> yeah, in that particular yeah. series. It's, yeah, and that's like three years old now. It's the first thing I ever wrote. And, yeah, it's my first little baby. Yeah, mm. very lovely baby. Um, I've watched Gracie as well, Matthew. I wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about why you made that film. Yeah, it's so it's a film about a um, about a young guy whose grandmother from Jamaica has um, has dementia, and she keeps saying that she wants to go home to Jamaica, but they can't do that because of her illness. And so he sort of sets up a Jamaican beach in her nursing home's garden, and because of her dementia, she sort of feels as if she's there and sort of triggers memories for her. And I um, I made that film because it was based on experience. Well, mostly mostly based on experience. My grandmother had suffered from dementia. Well, both of my grandparents actually on that side suffered from dementia. And um, that was something that both of them really, really wanted to do. They sort of had always, they moved to London to make a life for themselves and build a family, everything, but it was always their aim to go back home to Jamaica. So that's something they always said after they got ill, but we were, ne we were never able to do for them. So it was sort of my way of um, doing that after the fact, because she unfortunately passed away before I made the film, but it was kind of doing it after the fact. So um, yeah, kind of. For, for me, basically, but um, a lot of people have been able to relate to it. Actually, a lot of absolutely people who've got family members who suffer from dementia could relate. Yeah, it was completely beautiful. So oh, I enjoyed it you. a lot. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I want to kind of finish by asking you what you are working on right now and what yeah. you'd like to be working on next. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> as I said, I'm sort of just about to go into this sort of development um, with the BFI, my first feature script and have that whole experience and then I've got a bunch of TV stuff ticking away in the background. Um, also very much looking forward to getting paid. Because <laughs> oh, in many ways has been the best and most successful year of my life, um, but also the most broke I've ever been. <laughs> so so be prepared for that, kids. <laughs> Sometimes it all looks rosy and you're like, uh, but I'm still broke on my sofa. <laughs> oh, yeah, next year it's all gonna it's all gonna come through. Yes, so. yes, 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 it is. Absolutely. Cool. And um, so for me, I'm um, just about to um, take my feature film out to get some development funding hopefully um, so we're just um, doing some final tweaks to the treatment and the sort of create statement and everything we're about to take that out and I've got um, I've got f four five TV projects which I'm developing and um, I'm going I'm going to LA soon to hopefully hopefully sell a pilot which I've written fingers crossed yeah, um, or to at least have some you know have some worthwhile meetings and um hopefully get some stuff up and running over there because America they have so much money in America yeah oh they have so much money it's like 
Uh, and so I'm like, I'm trying to get some American money, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, a valiant goal. Yeah. Um, and I'm also um, writing a uh, musical. Which wow. Hopefully, Stunning. Hopefully we'll get put on somewhere soon. Yeah. Very so, nice. so next year it's the, the, the Black Queer World Domination <laughs> Tour. Yes. By Laura yes. and Matthew. Yes. Yes. 100%. Amazing. We're well, coming to a city near you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing it. We're out here. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Thank if you. anyone listening wants to ask you any questions or follow what you're doing, where can they do that? Um, uh, Twitter? On, yeah, Twitter. It's at Laura underscore K underscore A and Instagram is at Laura K underscore A because I have no imagination apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm on the Twitter too. I'm at Matt JC Morgan. Fabulous. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion. If you have any other questions for us, you can email us at questions at spotlight.com or drop us a line on Twitter at Spotlight UK. 